focus. Focus up. I'm talking to you, Doc Hogan, all the way out in Ireland. Thanks for the book with your signature, a nice little letter on it. And also thanks for the nice LinkedIn post you gave me today. I really appreciate it. You made my day, my man. Welcome to episode 28 of the Rubio Method. My name is Chris Rubio, along with Nicholas Monahan. We have a phenomenal show for you today. You guys are doing a great job of subscribing on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, Google, Rumble, uh, and also, of course, NGBN.TV. What's on the show today? Let me tell you, my friends. We're going to talk about being healthy after exercise, different jobs for Monahan and I, weird things on our body, okay, to relax or not to relax on vacation. Someone better than us in a zombie apocalypse. Not hard to do, guys. One of my favorite topics, the troops, hunting, kids, not hunting kids. That's a separate <laughs> kids, disabled vets, and even more hunting. All that and much, much more on today's episode of the Rubio Method. Christian, I'm out. Focus, focus up. I'm talking to you, Fletcher, out in Dallas. It was great having dinner with you, my man. You're doing a phenomenal job on and off the field. Once again, thanks for everyone subscribing on any podcast channel you want. YouTube, Spotify, Google, Amazon, Rumble, Apple, and of course, NGBN.TV. It's that time of the week. Minute with Monahan, my man, go. Yes, first off, I want to give a shout out to Fletcher as well. That guy's an absolute animal. Roll Tide, baby. Um, yes, yeah, so today's Minute with Monaghan, we've got a really good one, a really important one. Um, I'm starting to feel it as I've turned 30. I know it's much younger than most of our general audience, but I'm definitely feeling it. And we're talking about recovering after a workout. We all know that working out is so important for your mental health gives that positive uh, endorphins going on in your brain. So we want to make sure that you keep doing it. It's hard to do it when you're hurt and injured. So here we go. Here are three things that you need to do after your workout. Number one, it sounds silly, lame, and boring, but have a cool down routine. Make sure you're walking, you're stretching, you're doing something to cool down because you're pushing your body to the limit. And if you don't cool down, that thing's going to get, your muscles are going to tense up and they won't recover and you'll get hurt. Number two, drink plenty of water, not just during the workout. I try and have uh, three to four bottles of water a day. There you go, Rubio. I see you. Hydration's key. It keeps those muscles nice and feeling good. Um, and then the last one, too, is that active recovery. Go on a walk with your wife or your kids afterwards. It's good to hang out with the family. I feel like walks are awesome because you put your phone away and you actually talk to your family. Uh, but they're good for active recovery. Get that lactic acid moving and keeps you going so that your body's feeling uh, good and you're continuing to work out and you can mind your mentals and feel feel awesome at the end of the day. Monahan, hold on. Your first one was to cool down, and then the last one is telling me to recover quickly. Or, <laughs> I'm talking. Where, where about, am I going here, man? Well, <laughs> I'm talking about your off days. Your, your, oh, your, okay. Yeah, I'm like, sorry. what the hell does this guy want me to do? Slow down to speed up? <laughs> Which one is it? <laughs> okay. okay, you know, you, you've cleared it up for me. Okay, now I got it. I, maybe I just want to. Maybe I wasn't the only one confused, or maybe I was. <laughs> you probably were not the uh, only yeah, one. Yeah, I know. hand, <laughs> what email questions do you have for us? Remember, you guys can always email Rubio at the Rubio Method. Com. Go ahead, Monahan. Yeah, these email questions, man, I, your inbox must be wild because we're getting some good ones. Uh, first one comes from Samantha in Eagle, Idaho. Uh, what up, Sam? Uh, 
She says, if you guys could snap your finger and see yourself doing another job, not sports related, that's the tough part. <laughs> what job could you see yourself excelling in? This sounds crazy, but a job that I've always wanted to do is a police officer. Um, I feel like they're total badasses, and I definitely feel like that would be something that would be really cool to do. Plus, I love the community, and you get to hang out with the community and make sure everyone stays safe. What about you, Rubio? Number one, Monahan, you'd be a terrible cop just because <laughs> you're too nice. You're way too nice. You would never get anyone. You'd be like, they'd just give you some sap, sad, sappy line. Well, I needed to. Well, okay, go ahead. I'll let me look the other way. <laughs> yeah, we'll slide just, down like, the way. public relation cop, I think you would be the best ever. Hey, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> my jobs are a little offbeat as well. Number one, I think I'd always be, I always thought I'd be a good pediatrician, like work with kids, Yes. but I'm not into doing like 74 more years of schooling. So that's out. And I would have a real tough time if any of the kids didn't, you know, kind of make it. Uh, I don't even want to talk about that. That would be bad. And number two, you're going to love this one, Bodhand. I always thought I'd be a good priest. Oh, I think so just, too. Just because I, I like being in front of people, I like talking and telling stories. I'm not a super religious dude at all. And there's other parts that I'd kind of way be out with, but it's one of those. I think I would be a good one of those. So that those are my two. Monahan, what's the second email question? Man, I could definitely see you being both those. Um, number I'd two. I'd be all over the place. Oh, yeah. It'd be great. Number two <laughs> comes from Chad from Madtown, Madison, Wisconsin. Says, do you guys have any weird things that you can do with your body, uh, like your tongue touching your nose or anything like that? Rubio, I'm going to let you get that one first. I have two things. Well, three things, kind of. My pinky toes don't touch the ground. Uh, I think that's why I have such terrible balance. Number two, one of my ears up here or here, I can't tell. Christian, you might be able to tell and text it to us. One of them's pinched, so I'm pretty sure my mom like beat the hell out of me or grabbed me by the ear when I was a child, and she never really told me. I've asked her a couple times. And number three, I have a hitchhiker's thumb. Can you see that? Yeah. Or my thumb goes back. I put it against the black or whatever. Anyway, so I've got a hitchhiker's thumb. That's pretty much it. Maya and you? Yeah, that's pretty good. I don't really think I got nothing crazy cool for a while. My shoulders never would stay in socket. I've dislocated my left one four times, right one twice. Um, and I've got a bunch of tattoos. Other than that, <laughs> nothing <laughs> too strange on my body. Um, last question. This was Connie in Fort Worth. Uh, says, when you guys go on vacation, do you guys like to chill or go on adventures? Um, I think both you guys know about me, and hopefully the, the listeners kind of pick this up by now. The kids got ADD. I can't stay <laughs> focused for more than two seconds, uh, so I got to keep going. I got to go on the adventures. I have a hard time just laying around. I feel like I should be doing something uh, and exploring. What about you, Rubio? I'm kind of in the middle. Like I, I like doing adventurous stuff, but I, I mean, I don't like to need to climb into like the middle of a volcano while it's erupting. Right. And I know I need to relax more, but it's super hard for me to do so. I'm like one of those guys. Okay, let's get massage, which are great. Or let's just sit at the beach, which is great. My mind's always moving. And so that makes it very hard for me to relax. Speaking of uh, adventures, Monahan, have I ever told you my whale watching story? No, let's hear it. Okay, so we were in Oregon, Hawaii. I can't remember where I was. First world problems, I get it. Um, <laughs> and my wife says, let's go on whale watch. And I said, okay, I like fish. I like aquariums. I like all that good stuff. Let's let's go do it. So we get on this boat with like 70 other people. And it's not, you know, not a big boat, but it's not a small boat. We get out there and you, you go out for like two, three miles, four miles, whatever it is. And they kind of stop. And I said to my wife, I legit said, so when do they come? <laughs> and she goes, what do you mean? I said, well, we paid, you know, a hundred bucks or whatever the hell it was to go whale watching, you know, all four of our five of us or whatever. When do they get here? <laughs> she goes, 
what did you think was going to happen? I go, I paid for whale watching. I expect to see some watching whales. And she goes, there's not a freeway of whales, man. And I go, then why the hell would I pay for this stupid thing? And so it was the dumbest thing ever. You go out, I, I highly do not recommend it. You go out and everyone just looking like this. You can do it from anywhere. And then some moron will say, hey, look over there. There's a little spout of something. And the stupid boat goes over there a mile. And like, oh, no. The captain, of course, is like, oh, we just missed it. It's over that way. So it's the dumbest thing ever. Don't ever go whale watching. Anyone that tells you to do it is a moron. That's all I have to say about that, Monahan. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm telling you, it's the worst. Don't ever do it. It's like so like oceanfront property in uh, North Dakota. Oh, it was so bad. That, that wraps up this segment. We've got a great interview coming up, and then we have the bottom line. Two more segments. We're going to go before Monahan has a heart attack. Christian, I'm out. Military families often sacrifice precious time away from loved ones while serving our country. We were worried that with him leaving, that she would lose those connections with her dad. Some of life's best moments happen between parents, children, and the pages of a good book. United Through Reading provides that connection. And now, United Through Reading is also available to veterans. Learn more about United Through Reading at unitedthroughreading.org. Focus. Focus up. I'm talking to you, Pedro, out in Seal Beach. Keep doing a great job. You make me laugh pretty much every single day on social media. Welcome back to the Rubio Method. This is episode 28 with myself, Chris Rubio, and Nicholas Monahan. And we have a phenomenal guest for you. Please welcome Eric Klein. Who is Eric Klein, you may ask? This guy is a Renaissance man. He is an Air Force veteran and entrepreneur. He's a special agent with the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, just like the show NCIS. He has lived in Florida, Hawaii, Afghanistan, Saudi Arabia, Virginia, and Iowa. Good God. Helped start a nonprofit called Making a Difference Outdoors that takes disabled children and veterans out hunting. And he's the owner of Trophy Bucks of Iowa, which promotes getting outdoors with your children to share the great experience of hunting. Welcome, Eric. Welcome. Glad to be here. Love listening to the show. Glad to have you. I got three quick questions. It's going to be a good one. I promise you. I got three quick questions for you. Number one. You've watched the show. You've heard Monahan and I talk. For some reason, people keep emailing, asking us questions about zombie apocalypse. How long are you, a vet and obviously a hunter, surviving a zombie apocalypse? Monahan and I both agreed we'd last for about three hours. Oh, I think I lasted quite a while with all my weapons. And and I'd get a boat and go out in the water and find an island. I think I'd be good to go for a while. Why didn't I think of that? (laughs) See, that's a good one, man. But wait, no, you live in Iowa. There's no water there, is there? Oh, we got some lakes. We got the we got the Mississippi, Mississippi Missouri River. I could find a way. I never seen a, I never seen a zombie on a boat. That that is a good take. I don't I don't know if zombies can swim. I don't think they can. Christian, you might have to do some research on that while we're going. Number two, you've lived a lot of places. What was the best place and worst place you've lived? Hawaii. Both. That, best and worst. Yeah, definitely. Okay, why? Uh the, the best is this beautiful weather, beautiful scenery. Each island is like its own little own country. They're all so different. And being the worst is because the traffic in Honolulu is absolutely terrible, like D.C., some of the worst in the country, believe it or not. Really? And the 
expense to get family there to come visit you. It's a yeah. super yeah, We did. We, I was at there in the 1995 for the Aloha. And I remember coming from LA, getting a, you know, a Big Mac meal or whatever. It was like two ninety nine, And then you get to Hawaii and it was like eight ninety nine. Yep. And that was back in the, hold on. We got an answer real quick. Zombie swimmers depends on if they still have arms and or legs. Okay. So this is a whole thing here. <laughs> yeah. Cause if they guess they have, you've chopped one arm off, they would just like swim in a circle. So that might find, be the, the way to go. Find some shark infested waters and your problem will be solved. That's, yeah. But then what if the zombies get eaten by a shark and turns the shark into a zombie? Oh, then we got problems. This, see, this is a whole separate issue. <laughs> Number three, Eric, what, what do you have a favorite quote? Oh, um, I always like the uh, John F. Kennedy asked not what you can do for your, what your country can do for you, but you, what you can do for your country. I always that, like that quote. That is a great one. Absolutely. It, it could be used over and over and over right now. Why did you start trophy bucks of Iowa? What is it? Tell, tell us about it. Well, it's kind of a crazy story. I was, um, like I said, I was a federal agent in the air force and air force officer for a long time and I got injured and got to medical retired and I finished out in Quantico in DC and I just wanted to raise my family in a small local town where I came from. So we decided to move back and I was sitting in my parents' kitchen table one November and I'm like, I'm just going to start a, a group for family and friends. I mean, it wasn't even supposed to be big, just small friends and family share photos, hunting experiences, outdoor experiences. And it just kind of, I call it, I don't know why I call it trophy bucks of Iowa and it was hunting, it was hunting season and I, I like the deer hunt. Um, I called it that. And then my twin brother was there too. And he, uh, helped me out. And then I just started, Hey, if I knew somebody that shot a deer or did something that's say, can I, can I post your picture? And it just kind of got bigger and bigger and bigger. And pretty soon people were wanting decals for the trucks or mm -hmm. shirts and hats and, I didn't have any of that stuff, so I started making the stuff, and then from there, it just started growing bigger and bigger. And I think right now we have about one hundred thirty thousand Facebook followers. Um, Jesus, fifty or sixty, fifty or sixty thousand Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. I got my one of my buddies, Brandon, who's also I brought in to help, and another buddy, Ryan. Uh, Brandon runs my Snapchat, and I, he gets. It's a very popular channel. He covers and, and it. Do you just post pictures of other people's hunts or do you not necessarily to, or do you take people out hunting? I do both. Well, I don't I'm not an outfitter. I don't, I don't take people. I don't people don't hire me hire to take me hunting. I take um as part of my other thing. I started a foundation uh, with uh, some friends called Making Difference Outdoors. Where we take veterans and disabled children hunting. Um, so we take some kids with cancer, kids with spina bifida, um, disabled veterans with whether they have mental or physical injuries get them out hunting. So we've been doing that for the last four or five years. And we finally officially got it sanctioned as a nonprofit with the IRS. Okay. So what that was one of my questions when I've gone hunting out here, all I remember is a lot of walking, a lot of side hilling where I wanted to yell at the guy I was with, cause he kept going on Hills and I have real ankles and he doesn't. So he, he could just easily walk like that. How I'm confused. How do you take the veterans and disabled people out hunting? Okay. How do you so, do that? Well, I was kind of known as the, some of the best whitetail hunting in the, in the, in the, in the world, um, okay. big whitetails, um, lots of food here, lots of resources for the deer. We, they're not physical hunts at all. I'll, uh, take a, take a kid or a veteran out and usually at a deer blind raised up about 10, 15 feet in the air and we'll set up over some food probably. I mean, not like bait, but like a cornfield or a Got it. Pick, pick bean field or, uh, 
a transition area where it'll be moving and we'll sit there and hopefully the right one will step out for them. What's the reactions on the kids' faces? Oh, they love it. Um, we had one kid a few years ago. Um, he was so excited when that buck came out. He started vomiting in the deer blind. <laughs> and he re luckily he regained his composure and he killed the buck. He he so, was just so excited he started throwing up everywhere. You're like, dude, you gotta calm down, Ralph. Yeah, it's, give a, us it, a second here. And it's not just them that their family comes down. When my my uh, Bill Mansky, the guy who actually um, was a big the big fundraiser for this and the, one of the starters of the Mickey Devers Outdoors, he will go they'll go to his cabin for a few days with the family and hang out and watch TV and ride four wheelers and rangers and it's it's just the experience, not necessarily the hunt. Not necessarily. And, and, and this is all sponsored. Yeah. Uh, well, now it, we're we've got a nonprofit, but yeah, we we we'll, the all expenses are taken care of for the the veteran or the kid and their family. And is this just Iowa related or people flying in? We do we we do it just uh, right now, just Iowa residents because it's very hard to get a deer tag if you're not an Iowa resident. Oh, okay. So we've just been doing Iowa, and we've been busy enough that way. So. It, what what do you say to people that are has anyone ever confronted you and said hey hunting bad why would you do this with kids why would you do these with vets uh not really no you, you once in a while you get on like on their facebook post you'll get somebody's that comment says how can you how can you kill an innocent deer and um, we just kind of we just shut it off we don't even we don't even dialogue with them um we just We'll like our site's a happy site. We don't want any any bashing, any negativity. So we'll just remove that, remove the uh, them from the page so they can't comment. So we want it to be a good experience for everyone. Um, as far as what I say to them, I mean, we have canines for a reason. We're meat eaters. Mm -hmm. um, grocery store, you go to, <laughs> you go to your, your, these uh, these wild animals are taken care of a lot better than the some of those cattle lots or pig lots animals so they've had a lot better life so yeah and it's it, i think a lot of people that are against hunting or so to speak it's just out of ignorance i mean i remember growing up in la i used to always my thought was when you go hunting you just walk outside you get a machine gun and you just start whatever the hell you see uh, and then when not. i finally moved up to idaho and my neighbors are like, let's take you hunting, Cali boy. And you go out there and it's it's a lot. I mean, it's yeah. a lot. I, it, to me, it was a lot like uh, just sports. Like yeah. you, we had a wall tent up there. So we go up there. You just That was the locker room, so to speak. You hung out there. You wake up at the butt crack of dawn. And then there's a lot of walking. What we did, we didn't do any deer stands. And then you got to be quiet. Then you walk and then you see something maybe like two miles away. And you're like, okay, it's going that way. The wind's going this way. We got to make sure we go this way. Yeah, and it's a lot Western, more thinking. I, mean, I, I think a lot of it people don't like it due to the ignorance of it where they just they just don't know am, am i wrong on that no you're totally right and then the hunters they're the biggest conservationists there are as far as taking care of the environment and making sure that there are good populations of animals around even though we are hunting them they are um we're good stewards of of the land and, and the animals are you guys harvesting the animals after yeah um you have to it's illegal you can't just shoot an animal and okay and leave it um in iowa we have a thing called the hush program um so if we if we're not going to take the deer to our local locker to get made in the jerkies or sausage or whatever you can actually take it to the locker and they will take it for free and the state pays for it to be processed for homeless um, and shelters and stuff like that it seems like a no-brainer in every state yeah they got okay. lots of deer so yeah what was harder being in the service 
transitioning to a civilian or starting your own business? Definitely transitioning to civil to civilian life for me. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, I was, like I said, I was, I was a college educated. I had my master's degree. I was doing well in my career and all of a sudden I got injured overseas and my kind of career in life came to a halt and, uh, got sent out to, to DC and finish out my career out there. And I could have worked for the FBI or CIA or whatever I wanted to do out there. But I did that, been there, done that. I didn't want to deal with the, all that bureaucracies anymore. And I said, you know what, I'm going to reinvent myself. I'm, I'm going to move back to Iowa. So I think that oh, I can find a job easy in Iowa. Well, you, you always hear everyone's, I'm hiring veterans. Everyone's hiring veterans. We're hiring veterans, but they're not a what, I mean, yeah, they're, they're hiring some entry-level veterans, um, but they're not hiring educated, um, off, I was an officer, educated people that are, they want everyone to start at the bottom of the, the civilian life. And I was already pretty, I'm not high up in the military, mm -hmm. but I was doing very well. I was um, making progress well. And so I came back here and I had my resume. Oh, you were, you did secret service detail for President Obama. You arrested rapists and murderers you did counterintelligence operations against the chinese well how does that corporate corporate to working in iowa no one could really say well you might be good at this you might be good at that i mean so it was very difficult for me to find something to settle in and luckily um a big insurance company national insurance company saw my resume in des moines and said hey you might be a good project manager and uh that gave me the opportunity to get a job back here. Did that for a few years before I branched out to more. That was in Des Moines. And then I wanted to come back to my smaller hometown. And some openings came up now. So now I do a full-time sales job on top of these other these other things that I do. Was being in the Secret Service boring or exciting? Well, I wasn't I wasn't in the Secret Service. I was a special agent for the Air Force. We were all we're all federal agents with the same training, but I oh when I was in Hawaii, Obama vacationed there every year. Oh, okay. So um, it was our airfield um, where he came. He lands on Joint Base Pearl Harbor Hickam. And so we had to work with us with this um, Secret Service. So um, that was very interesting to, to shut every two weeks, every Christmas. Uh, we Hundreds of people would be involved in just keeping him safe. Yeah, I can uh, imagine that. That's that's uh, that, yeah. And that's that's a pretty big place to lock down. Yes. I mean, yes. the logistics wish it, wish of that have to be Mar an absolute nightmare. I wish he would have stayed at Martha's Vineyard, but it was busy. <laughs> when you were, um, when you got injured at that point, before you got injured, did you think that you were going to be a lifer in the military? Yeah. Yep. Um, I had no desire to be in the military. I was, um, sophomore at Iowa state university. Um, I wanted to be an FBI agent. That's all I ever wanted to be growing up. Kept my kept a clean record. Didn't do anything stupid because I wanted to do that. Uh, <laughs> so September 11th happened. It kind of threw me through a loop. And September 12th happened. I, September 12th, I walked into the Air Force ROTC office and signed up. And he said, I, "I'm going to, I'll get my work experience, then apply for the FBI as a military officer." And once I got it, I got accepted to ROTC. Got a scholarship. Finished my college there. And Got in, got commissioned as an officer, and saw that I was saw once I got commissioned, I saw that they actually had a version of the FBI, which I had no idea. Mm -hmm. And I applied and got in, and um, 
was doing really well. Um, like I had traveled in the world, special agent in charge, um, Afghanistan, Saudi Arabia, and assistant special agent in charge in Hawaii. And then got injured on some, a training accident and kind of from there got met back, back to launch Germany and then Walter Reed and then, uh, Fort Sam Houston in Texas, um, did some rehab there then went out back out to Quantico. So yeah, just crazy. So you you, you were like off. beyond Mr. America. Yeah. I mean, you're a true, true American. That, that <laughs> no, there, no, no, there's thousands of people just like me in the military. Oh, I, I, tr- just, I know, I, I know there are, but I'm just saying <laughs> you're, you're in my mind right now, you're, you cut your arm, you're bleeding red, white, and blue for the love of God. Yeah. If you could, if you could tell me one story about your service to either motivate me in life or make me more, even more proud to be an American, what would it be? Oh man. Um, uh, see, I, I can tell a story. It's not really, it doesn't really have a happy ending per se, but it does. It's just a unique story that I, that I saw a group of people um, stand up when we realized nothing. We didn't know what to do. Um, mm-hmm. This was, so I was in Afghanistan and I was um, put over there where there's a brand new unit. Um, we were there put over there to investigate um, and do operations for um, insider threats. So like we had, we had just had Afghans, like Afghan military members opening up, killing who are supposed to be our friends, killing us soldiers. Just like they, you know, like, they were bad apples for the Afghan army or they were supposed mm-hmm. to be on our side, but they ended up working for Al Qaeda or uh, the Taliban or whatever. And we, so I was sent over there to do that. And we starting running operations and intelligence over there to, to find out who these bad apples were. And, and there's all sorts of three letter agencies over there working in, in Afghanistan. And, um, we were new over there. I had F we didn't have a, we had an OSI air force OSI at a NCIS agents at army counterintelligence agents working with me. And, um, a Marine counterintelligence agent. And one day um, we somehow got notification that a civilian contractor, because there's hundreds of contractors over there working, just U.S. citizens that are contractors working. I mean, this was before the we, we gave up the country. And uh, he went missing. This U.S. guy is missing in Afghanistan. And it's not a place you want to be missing. And... Um, through one of his coworkers came to us and told us about this because he just knew knew one of us what we did and no one was doing anything. The embassy and we're like, what? What's going? I mean, this is a U.S. citizen. We need to be. We need to be getting Blackhawks out or whatever. We're getting, whatever those guys, special ops guys do. We need to go find this guy. What's going on? And nothing was happening. So my guys and my ladies, we um, we got together and we decided, you know what, we're gonna. We didn't know really if we had jurisdiction or if legally what we could do, but we went out and used every other, um, every resource we could use, including uh, super classified stuff and three letter agency stuff. And we were able to find out that this guy was kidnapped by his bodyguard. Jesus. They had us bodyguards and we were able to figure that out through classified means. And, and then, um, Unfortunately, we were able to find his body. Oh, and um, like I said, it wasn't happen ending, but we were able to find him, and we were able to. And when we're over there, we're not we're we're all crime scene trained. We're not. Um, but when we're over there, we're not doing crimes. We're doing 
intelligence operations. And we went over there and we, we found him. Um, I had a really sharp NCIS agent working for me and she was a crime scene investigator. So she actually, we didn't have any equipment or anything like that, but we went to the hospital, the clinic, got rubber gloves and all these kits. And we did a full crime scene examination, got DNA, all that stuff. And we were able to get um, the bodyguards um, prosecuted under Afghan law for murder of the U.S. citizen. Wow. So that was probably the, that was, at the time it was, it was crazy just because you think you know, a U.S. citizen missing, you think everything's going to be, everything's going to come to a stop still, but it was crazy to us how nothing was happening. So we just kind of took it in our own hands. That's probably one of the, one of the, um, even though the outcome wasn't there, we, um, we got, um, finalization. No, I get it. You guys, all, you family. guys all, you all came we together came. as Americans to save an, you know, basically quote unquote, save another American. And I mean, that you had to go above and beyond literally to make it happen. Yeah. So that's one of the, one of the, one of the things that this is the way the team came together and did that, even though at the time I thought I might be doing something and not, not necessarily legal, but like, you, so you're not, sometimes you're not getting authority. You're not getting authority to do stuff, and you never know what's going to happen. I, I get so it. Especially over you got your, you got your hands tied behind your back when you're in the military. Sometimes when you're overseas, and you, you know what oh, you I, can I, do, what you should do, and then all you, you think you do the right thing, and all of a sudden you get slapped for it. I, so, I can imagine. Pretty nervous, but I I got out and got retired, so I don't worry about it now. <laughs> Can you tell me where can people find out about tro Trophy Bucks of Iowa and also Making a Difference Outdoors? Uh, so Making a Difference Outdoors, there's just a Facebook page for that right now. We just started that, the search Making a Difference Outdoors. Um, Trophy Bucks of Iowa, you'll find if you search Trophy Bucks of Iowa on Instagram, on Twitter, on Snapchat, on Facebook, um, you'll find it. We do have a, we do have a website, trophybucksiowa.com. That really doesn't have any content on it per se right now. It's just a store. But um, your content is going to be on the social media pages. So that's where you'll you'll see all that stuff. So. Perfect. Eric Klein, I really appreciate your time. This was a very, very interesting interview. And obviously, thank you for your service as well. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Christian, one more segment. The bottom line, I'm out. What do you think you're doing, Kevin? I uh, was just gonna drive home. Ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, there are several warning signs present that you shouldn't be driving. Like hearing voices? Like your text to emoji ratio? Oh man, the selfies. <laughs> Selfie nailed it. We all have warning signs that let us know that we're probably not okay to drive. Mine is pretending to be your subconscious. Craig, come on man, let's put a ride home. Focus, focus up. I'm talking to you, Todd, out Artbeat. Thanks for all you do for me and my businesses. Keep up the great work. Welcome back to episode 28 of the Rubio Method. We just saw a great interview with uh, Eric Klein. He was outstanding. Now we have the bottom line. Before I get to the bottom line, don't forget, you can email any questions to rubio at the rubiomethod.com and keep doing a great job of subscribing and sharing on Spotify, Apple, iTunes. Uh, what else we got? YouTube, Amazon, Google, Rumble even, and of course, ngbn.tv. Now it's time for the bottom line. This is all the stuff you should have learned without even realizing you learned it. Number one, don't forget to help your body 
after you help your body. Remember, that was the minute with Monahan. You got to recover. You got to, what did he say? Relax, take a lot of water. And then on your days off, do a faster recovery. That kind of confused me, but I'm assuming it did not confuse you. Number two, just because you are done with something, it doesn't mean that you are done. Eric was a perfect example of that. He was going to be a lifer in the military, gets injured. Boom. I got to reconfigure my life. And he's done a great job in doing so. So just because you are done with something, it doesn't mean that you are done. And number three, it is okay to let other people do other things, especially if it doesn't impact you. That has to do with the hunting. Some people are very into it. Some people aren't. If it doesn't affect you or impact you, don't worry about it. You're going to live a lot, a lot longer and a happier life if you're not worried about what everyone else is always doing as long as it doesn't impact you. Well, thanks again for watching episode 28 of The Rubio Method. And remember, if you have any questions, you can email rubio at therubiomethod.com. This was a great one. Had a good time. Christian, I'm out. Woo.